0: Nothing. Nothing but. Nothing but net. Net, net. net. Welcome to Nothing But Net, the podcast for Triple Net Commercial Real Estate Investing. Before we get into the meat of today's show, let's recap on why there's so much interest and buzz around net 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 properties. Triple net properties are commercial real estate investments where the tenants, usually brand name corporations, pay you rent every month. Can you say mailbox money? In addition, they pay the real estate taxes, insurance, and maintenance for the property. No toilets, termites, or taxes. What's not to like? You can remember what net 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 or triple net stands for by using TIM taxes, insurance, and maintenance. With triple net properties, there's lower risk income and cash flow because rents are guaranteed by strong credit tenants. Preservation of wealth because rent increases and property appreciation are bulwarks against inflation and a great store of value. Tax efficiency. The government wants investment in commercial real estate, so they provide inducements through depreciation and deductions which shelter income from taxation. Tax deferral which gives potential for infinite tax deferral with 1031 exchanges, which are very popular in the triple net space. Triple net properties are a tangible asset. And as Mark Twain once said, buy land. They ain't making any more of it. Hello, and welcome back to the Nothing But Net podcast, the podcast for triple net commercial real estate investing. I'm your host, Adam Carswell, joined as always by our co-host, michael flight and today we have billy keels on the line with us coming from all the way across the pond we're in three countries here today on the nothing but net podcast michael and uh, i don't know if that's a first but definitely an exciting moment and an exciting topic at hand as well billy is definitely man just an amazing guy right we've, i know we've got some interesting backstories on how we got to know him and he happens to be from ohio where i'm originally from Doing some just innovative things, quite frankly, when it comes to investing, especially overseas. So I know that's why we brought him on here today. But Michael, any uh, any introductory words for Mr. Keels? Well, we like to
1: call Billy Barcelona Billy. Uh, and uh, Billy, you know, I met him at a Real Estate Guys event. They knew there was something different about him because he's wearing some of the most uh, coolest suits. And he's got the European scarf going. And so I'm like, there's something, there's something different. And so then I found out that he lives in Europe and um, my wife's from Italy. So we just kind of instantly hit it off. And yeah, I would like to say just been excellent friends ever since. I you know consider him a friend. I consider him a mentor, somebody that I can talk to. And we both have two boys. So my boys are a little bit further along in the, uh, the leaving the house process. And he's right in the middle of it. So I just can't say enough good about him. But what we brought Billy on for is that Liberty Fund has an international part of it so that we wanted to make U.S. real estate available to non-U.S. investors, because we believe that, you know, even U.S. investors should get access to you know, non-U.S. real estate, non-U.S. investments and everything else to diversify their portfolio. So what we really wanted to do was provide high quality U.S. real estate to non-U.S. investors. And uh, Billy is an expert at that because he's an expatriate and he's been living. uh, Well, we'll let him talk
0: about, you know, his story. I I Uh, just, I want to say that too, because you just reminded me, you know, Billy's, you know, his investment strategy thesis, the way he's been going about this, This is before everyone in the world had a Zoom account, right? And I remember I even heard him. (laughs) I even heard him on a podcast. It had to be, you know, 2017, 2018. I was like, man, this guy's so cool. And uh, I remember if you look through our LinkedIn DMs, Billy, I think I DM'd you before we actually met face to face. And then Michael introduced us, and it was, you know, it's pretty much game over from there. But um, I know Michael asked you a question too. So, I know it's a lot to take on, but if you'd feel free to just elaborate (laughs) on everything. Adam, why don't you just give a little bit of Billy's biography if you do
1: have it in front of you, or should we have Billy do that? I think it might be even better if Billy does.
2: (laughs) Yeah, 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 guys. Yeah, I mean, you guys are saying all these cool things, and I appreciate the heck out of the two of you. And just really very, very fortunate to have the two of you in my life, in my circle and be able to draw, share and exchange and things like that. And so it's, it's really an honor to be here with the two of you today. And so, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, me, just a guy from Columbus, Ohio. Um, I planned on being in Europe because uh, I'd had this really amazing opportunity after college where I was working and traveling throughout some 58 different countries. And that really kind of sparked a, a bug in me, I guess, where I wanted to continue to travel. So I took a one-year sabbatical, and that was two weeks after 9-11. It was the 25th of September, 2001. I took a flight from JFK to paris charles de Gaulle. So Paris, France, I guess, is where I was. And uh, that was supposed to be one-year sabbatical. I was going to learn the French language and culture. I was going to learn how to salsa dance. Don't ask me why and I was gonna learn more about wine. And since then, I left France. I moved to a town called Montpellier down in the South. I got in the IT industry. I went from there to Sardinia uh, in Cagliari. So uh, Michael, you know that very well. And uh, I know Adam, you also knew that. And then I went back to Montpellier and then I've been living in Barcelona, Spain or Barcelona, España since uh, July of 2005. And so I guess that one year sabbatical has turned into a marriage, two children, three countries, four additional languages, and also have now been, had the opportunity to be influenced and meet people from 86 different countries throughout my travels, whether I was living in a country or or working in a country. And so. uh, So just to
1: confirm, you've been
2: to 86 countries. That's correct. Yep. 86 countries. That's fantastic. Yeah, 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 That's a life right there. Yeah. I mean, I'm really, really blessed in that regards, right? Having a chance especially right after college. I mean, I was 21 years old or something like that. And I was traveling around 58 countries in five years. It was 25, 28 days a month where I was seeing and meeting people that were a lot of fortune 500 execs. I didn't realize how important those people were in terms of the way that they affect the global economies and things like that. And so I kind of took it in stride because I was just like young and traveling all around the world. But I started realizing not only the experience of people that I was meeting in local cultures, but also having this corporate influence and seeing the structure, the organization, the opportunity to be trained and led by really, you know, companies that are market leading companies. But I didn't want to keep doing that. And I just got tired of traveling around the world. wanted to learn a new language and wanted to just kind of take a year off. And yeah, since then, I've kept traveling and kept meeting people and continue to try to learn and uh, try to add value to other people. And like I said, I was in the corporate world and over the last, uh, I guess, just short of seven years, I've also now really, not only I like the corporate world, but I've fallen in love with being able to add value to people and being able to do that through assets that are real assets and helping people derive benefits from those assets and get options for their lives. So you guys, the same thing. Yeah, that,
0: um, I've got it. Doing. I got one right here, I'm just thinking, you know, from that experience where you said, I think it was like 58 countries in five years, you learn how to communicate with people in a way that you probably didn't communicate with people ever before, you know, just different cultures. And so one thing that I found like comparing North America to Europe or maybe even other parts of the world, can't say specifically, but America to Europe, if you're going to network with someone in the European environment in general, it's more like, hey, like, let's go hang out. Let's go be friends. where America's like, hi, my name is Bill. What do you do? Do you work every day of the week? Like, you know, so I guess what has been your biggest takeaway as far as influencing European or foreign investors? Because I'm sure the influence has to be a little bit different.
2: Yeah, well, a couple of things. And I'm going to answer this on influence, but I, it is really important because also I'm a fellow podcaster. And I know that you guys take a lot of time and you put a lot of heart and energy into this. And it's really important for me to share this with your entire tribe that because you but put so you much love... Can you just
1: hold on one second? What's the name of your podcast so we know that right now and then we'll yeah, talk sure. about it later? Yeah, so. yeah, sure,
2: sure, sure. It's. In, let me tell that. I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. But <laughs> if you're listening already, everybody, make sure that you take a moment just to leave an honest written review and a rating. Because like I said, Adam and Michael put a lot into this and really are doing an amazing job. So it's just something I I like to share. And yes, the name of my podcast is The Going Long Podcast with Billy Keels. You can find it on all the major platforms and stuff like that. So-
1: Going um, Long Podcast with Billy Keels.
2: Going Long Podcast with Billy Keels. Yes. And so, you know, Adam, I think a lot about the influence and the way that you do that. I guess at the end of the day, even though we think it's really different, now, having seen people from so many different parts of the world, if you're truly looking to build a relationship with people and you are genuine in your approach and you're genuine in the way that you are asking your questions or you're listening or you're, you have a curiosity, what I found is that that's pretty much global, right? There are different ways maybe to connect like you were using the example before, where in North America, maybe it's more of a kind of, it feels transactional, but really that's just part of the way we do things in North America. And so even when you're in that kind of, you know, hey, how are you? Where do you work? What are you doing? If you're genuine in your approach and you're really wanting to understand that, you know, Adam does this and he's adding benefit to other people in that way, and then want to continue to build the relationship with you, you have to do the things and take the steps to really build the relationship and not just have it a surface conversation. Uh, Because sometimes, even though here in in Europe, it feels really close and you build really good relationships. I mean, there are definitely people that are just trying to get out and make a fast euro, for not to say a fast buck, and aren't really looking to put in the work. And so, you know, the people that are globally putting in the work are the ones that are globally making the biggest impact and influencing the people the most in the most positive way. So hopefully that, that answers your question.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that I really kind of wanted to hit on, because I don't think we've ever had somebody on yet that is almost a full-time real estate investor and still, you know, W-2 type of worker or a salaried worker, you know, so how do you split your time and what can you say to people that are looking, even if they don't want to be full-time, but they want to like investigate passive investments. So, so how do they go about starting that?
2: Yeah. And and I love that question. And it depends on what are you trying to achieve? Like personally, individually, what is it that you are trying to achieve if you want to, let's say you can be an active investor or a passive investor, right? I know a lot of people, and I know a lot of people say you hate your job and 80% of people hate their jobs and all that stuff. I don't fit in that category. So I'm someone who actually, I really like my corporate job. I've been afforded some amazing opportunities. And there are a lot of us that are out there that we like the job that we're doing. And at the same time, there's just this something in our gut that's kind of like, there's also more to life than just coming in and doing this job. Even though it's a high-paid job, you can be in a really high influence type of role and things like that. But when you feel like there's something else that's out there and you want to have more control over your life, you want to be able to create more options for yourself, for your family, for your loved ones, and for friends, then you have to be really clear, at least I think, in terms of what is it that you really want to do, and more importantly, why do you want to do it? And so you may go down a road where you become a much more active investor, someone like me, and that, it takes a lot of work, right? That's just the reality, especially if you're in a full-time demanding high-paid professional job. and So there are some sacrifices that you are going to have to be prepared to make and make sure that you have your loved ones on board with you. Uh, because if not, that can cause a lot of friction and, and, and things like that. You may also take the option to say, hey, look, I really like what I do in my day job. I'm a high-paid professional. I do what I like to do, and I'm re- highly recognized, and all this kind of good stuff. And I still have this feeling like I should be able to create more options, feel even better about when I come into work. And that's getting and aligning yourself with like, okay, well, what is it that I really want to be able to do to gain more control over my financial life and become someone like a passive investor? So you are investing your time, your energy, your capital, you're getting educated, and eventually you are also placing your funds and your time and your trust with someone else. And so depending on if you go an active route or a passive route, you're still going to need to put in the time to get educated, time to meet people, time to build strong relationships like Adam was talking about earlier, and at the same time, make sure that you keep doing what you'd like doing in your corporate job so that you can, well you know, parlay, I guess, with all the positive things that you're doing in your day job and the active income that you're receiving and be able to then use it to gain more control over your your life, whether you're doing it actively or passively. So it's not something that I would say is super, super easy. and At the same time, it's definitely possible because many of us are doing it. And it's something that when you can reach out to other people, learn from other people and become more involved, that it becomes more, I guess, efficient way to do it. But also too, one of the things, Michael, I don't sleep very much. <laughs> so so that's also a big benefit for me. So I wake up really, really early and I typically go to bed. I'm up usually by five o'clock and I'm in bed by probably 10, 30, 11. That's, All right. that's just me.
1: Well, I, I really like the point that you hit on with options because one of the things that I've most loved about real estate is it gives you a lot more options. So number one, you get passive income. You don't have to do it active. And, you know, you, you hit on it. If somebody can work with somebody like Billy. So let's say I want to invest in the United States, but I don't know where to start. It's like, well, you know, one of the ways in is to work with somebody like Billy or, you know, find somebody that is familiar with not only the U S but also, you know, what non-U S investors are looking for and how to tailor those investments. Cause there are some you know, nuances to investing in U.S. real estate in terms of taxation and you know, legal processes like that. So I always recommend people go with somebody that has done it before with some experience and actually knows a little bit about both U.S. and what non-U.S. investors are looking for and need to do. But the, the biggest thing, you know, I can't stress it enough, it's like real estate just gives you options for life. So
2: Yeah, it definitely gives you options. And I mean, I know one of the reasons I really like spending time with you guys is that you also have a global perspective, right? I mean, Adam, you're living outside of the United States right now. Uh, Michael, I know you travel extensively around the globe. You're in the Middle East, you're in Europe, all over the place. And you guys are constantly interacting with people that are also non-U.S. And you have an understanding of multiple cultures and you're able to do the translation for what are the, you know, because at the end of the day, we're always helping, we want to be able to help people find the benefits that provide them options. And the more that you can actually translate it because you understand uh, what happens outside of of the United States, and you can translate that to benefits for someone that maybe has never lived in the United States or has only been to Disney World or something like that, then it just helps broaden the perspective and it helps to create that relationship through being able to influence because you understand uh, where they're coming from. So I think that's uh, that's also one of the things that, you know, one of the ways that you guys are bringing lots of benefit to anybody and everybody that is around you and also those that are listening to and watching the podcast.
0: That's a characteristic about Michael that you bring up there, Billy. I, d- I didn't even think about it until now. And I do my best to implement this. And I'm sure you can relate to what I found from meeting people from different cultures and traveling around the world is um, you don't have to speak. Someone's language, you don't have to know everything about their country, but if you just know one little nuance of what someone's homeland is like, that will gain a lot of credibility out of the gate. For example, I've been making some friends in Australia recently on this blockchain project that I'm working on. And, um, you know, I saw them drinking espresso and I was like, oh, you know what? It's like, oh, my friends from Australia. It seems like you guys really love the Italian coffee culture over there. Tell me about that. And they go, yeah, yeah, you know. It's like, there's no Starbucks in Australia, is there? They're like, no, there's like one. Like, yeah, yeah. So like being able to say little things like that. And I've seen Michael like say another language, like a greeting or probst or something like that to people before. And it just worked like magic.
1: Well, I normally don't say this, but I feel that if you know the swear words in any language, you can use them as (laughs) nouns, verbs. You know, you can just throw them in the middle of a sentence to like just pull the sentence together. So hey, Make sure that, we get Courtney to put that one in the show notes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> your, your wife must be from a different country.
1: <laughs> so, so that's how I mainly start with the swear words and then, you know, go from there. But uh, <laughs> what I wanted to also ask you about, Billy, is how did a high-tech, super-powered sales guy like you in the corporate world get into real estate? You know, because I think that's what some people would like to know how do I even just get into like learning about and investing? Because a lot of people spend time trying to figure out the stock market and then they eventually realize that it's just kind of gambling and you don't really have control over it. So how did you like decide that you wanted to go into real estate instead of anything else or just even putting your money into bonds and letting them sit there?
2: Yeah, so I guess just kind of as a background, the family background that I come from as it related to money was anytime you were able to save money like have money at, with a paycheck at the end of the month that was considered investing like just to give you some context of where, where i came from so when i had the opportunity to go finish college and i'm i'm one of the like i'm the typical a student and i was doing all the things you're supposed to do and i was when i got my good grades i got my good grades and uh afterwards I'm i was supposed C to get student. okay well that, <laughs> so that, that, that's why you progressed so far it took me a lot longer <laughs> But what happened along the that's way why you, was, That's why
0: Michael uses swear words to say hi and Billy really wear scarf. foulard, me foulard.
2: No, so, I mean, basically, I was doing everything that I was told to do. And I was moving in the direction that I was supposed to be moving, up the corporate ladder. I was yeah. saving money. I was then investing money and I was in my 401k and all of those things. And they were happening and they were going really well. And then the 2000 bubble happened. And so I kind of got this, reduction in my value in my portfolio. And I didn't know a lot about it. And I was freaking out. And I was like, well, I thought it was just supposed to keep going up and up and up. And reduction. I
1: got re- my, my high tech stocks went to almost nothing.
2: Right. Well, so, so <laughs> <laughs> everything's relative, right? It's all yes. relative. And that was going to happen. Because what I was told then, and as a good student, when the teacher tells you do this and you do that and you get the good grade. And so I was told something like, there's this thing called dollar cost averaging. Just hold right. on, just you know, keep putting your money in. And I did that. And so then I got back to kind of where we were. And it was like six or seven years later. And then this thing happened in 2008. And a little bit after that, my portfolio lost 33%. And so I'd always been taught as well, like if something happens once... Shame on them. And if the same thing happens twice, then shame on you. Right. And so that happened to me twice. And I think it's Tony Robbins that says something to the effect of, or maybe he took it from someone else, but like either you're running towards pleasure or you're running away from pain. And so what led me to investing outside of the stock market was the fact that I got my butt kicked twice. And I didn't have a plan in place and I was frustrated because I lost 33% of my
0: and you were value. following what's and you were following what's the right thing well, to do too.
2: Well, yeah, and so that was the problem, right? Because that's when it was like, okay, well, this doesn't work. Like normally, if I studied, I got a bad grade, I just studied harder and I got an A. And so I couldn't see myself repeating this again because it happened twice. So then I was looking for a way out, but I didn't know because I don't come from a family of people that were investing in starting their own companies, doing multi-billion dollar companies. I mean, my both of my parents were entrepreneurial but they had limited success in that. And one, like many people, I came across that little purple book. And when I picked up that little purple book, I started reading it. I put it down and then I picked it up a couple of years later. And for, What's the purple book? It's a little purple book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad or something like that. Okay, I, don't ever, Fiasati, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Michael, it. What,
0: Michael, what was your purple book? It was like one that was like a thousand pages thick. It said Real Estate Fundamentals or something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No, I,
1: yeah. I, Everybody, I've never actually read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And everybody asks me, it's like, why not? I'm like, well, I started in the real estate business in 1986. Yeah, so. Exactly.
2: Like, so you there before. But right. I mean, short story long. That's why I got into real estate. And what I was looking to do was I really wanted more control. Like I was trying to get into something that I could have more control over. And so when I read the book and then I started watching podcasts and I started looking at some YouTube videos at the time and because there's not a big culture of real estate investing in Spain where I live. And so I started recognizing like, wow, this is a way that I can actually have more control. I can create consistent income over time. And it was like cash flow, And that started clicking in my mind. Then I was like, well, and you can also get some tax benefits. Although I wasn't really thinking about that now, although now my mind thinks about that first almost, because yeah. it's not about how much money I make. It's about how much money yeah, absolutely. I keep. And so that's also been the kind of the evolution that's happened over the, the number of years. But Basically, I was looking for control, wanted more options, and this was a way to invest directly into something that I had more control over. And then when I started investing and my portfolio started growing, and then I found out that I could actually invest with and through other people that I met and they were in direct control. And so I found out about passive investing after I'd already purchased like my first four properties, like smaller multifamily properties, I bought a mobile home park and then I found out about these things that you can invest in where ATM machines and then I got into energy equipment and all this different kind of stuff and what I realized was wow, you can actually have more control and had I learned about passive investing first because of the fact that I'm a high-paid professional and I'm very busy, I would have probably done a lot more of that sooner, but I found out about that after the fact. So it's kind of like that's I guess why I kind of got into this world where I'm doing active investing, passive investing, and still, well, working for corporate. So.
1: so it really sounds like your evolution was, I'm going to jump into real estate. I'm going to buy and, and be an active manager in real estate. And then you started raising money with other people. And now you've kind of evolved into a fund manager where you're putting together, you know, nice packages of investments for people. Is that, you know, where you're at right now?
2: Yes, Exactly. The thing is, I was doing a lot of just my own money for a really long time because I didn't know about the whole bring other people together or you can invest with other people. But the evolution has taken place that way. But it was me in the beginning just doing a lot of working with the banks, retail, that kind of stuff. And then eventually I found out about this other world that's really, really cool. But that happens to a lot of people that are corporate because you're just in your kind of like little box and you think you have to do everything yourself and you're the specialist. And when you realize that you don't have to be the specialist and you can work with people that are specialists, then the accelerator really happened. So
0: So obviously, I think most people listening to the show know at this point that the return on investment when it comes to U.S. real estate is pretty much impossible to find anywhere else in the world. And it seems like even to the point where talking to foreign investors, maybe again, specifically in Spain or Europe, is it tough to get them to wrap their mind around the benefits of US real estate, sometimes you find it easy or do you find them like, almost like thinking maybe it's a scam because it's like, it's too good to be true. And then also, I know a lot of capital raisers out there, it seems like when they first get into the business, they think about all this access to foreign capital that they can have, but they don't realize all the legal, I guess, loopholes that you got to go through to make it work. (laughs) So I know it's a two part question. But if you could talk about yeah, like the returns and showing people just how beneficial the U.S. real estate is. How do you do that? And then two, um, how do you get through those legal loopholes of, of actually raising foreign capital?
2: Yeah, well, you never get through the legal. That's <laughs> just, uh, no. So, <laughs> be, but come back to the answer. So I mean, you may have to help me and remind me. Sorry, yeah, I, I know. Was, I've, I've, I've so got a couple things that things that I do want to say. So I, I guess first and foremost, as it relates to U.S. real estate, and I guess we'll even go the next step down because where we're focused on cash flow markets right your markets that are not your los angeles they're not your san francisco they're not your new york or or whatever right we're going to columbus Ohio, you're going or
1: we're outside going the, what yeah. most we're, people would consider core markets correct correct yeah.
2: so i think just the fact that in the united states there are so many cities that have more than a million people and you can get to markets where you can generate consistent cash flow is something that's very different to a market like where I live in Barcelona, Spain, because it's very much an appreciation type of market. So when the highs are high, well, they're great. And when the lows are lows, well, it's um, the blood in the streets, right? And so just being able to help people to understand the different demographics, the different uh, economic factors that are happening politically, what's happening in the United States, it's just very different. So you kind of have to help people understand that it's not an apples to apples comparison. And you have to help them understand that. Because if people don't fundamentally understand the difference of the dynamics of the US market, then it's gonna be really, really hard because most people are gonna think it's science fiction. It's something that's kind of fake. You're gonna try and take people's money and run or whatever the or whatever the case may be. So I think it starts there first and foremost. And if people are, allow themselves to do their own homework, get out, find out that the information that you're telling them is valid and that the market dynamics are very different, then it gives you the opportunity to then show them how they can benefit. Because at the end of the day, if they can't benefit, they don't really care. And so does that answer the first part of the question, Adam? Very cool. Yeah. So
1: what you're saying is a lot of European, and that's what you're most familiar with, are buy and hold markets so that You're just buying it. You're holding it. You're not getting a whole bunch of cash flow and you're not getting a whole bunch of income. And kind of the opposite, depending on the market in the US, you can actually get income and you can get appreciation. That's correct. And then you add on the tax
2: benefits and you add on the equity buildup that you don't get in a lot of different places. Now, when I say Europe, primarily the people that I've worked and dealt with are in Spain, France, and Italy, primarily. Okay. Um, Although every day we're speaking to people in different countries, which is kind of cool. But the the other thing that I think is important to realize is when you're outside of the, the any country, right? So if you're outside of the Eurozone, then people, if you think about investing in dollars, or you're thinking about in krona or you're thinking about in Swiss francs, there's currency, right? There's a difference in currency. So you may tell someone that, hey, you listen, we have a great projected return of X. But that's in dollars they're investing in euros they're investing in pounds they're investing in whatever the case may be so you have to take that into consideration and if you're not able to be prepared for that type of a question well then you could potentially lose some validity right in front of the person that you're talking about so i think it and this comes to like to you guys i mean you're traveling around and you're seeing different things you just have to help people understand that yes this opportunity does exist There are other things that they have to take into consideration. What are the taxation rules in their country? What happens with currency fluctuation? What happens with legal ramifications? And be prepared to answer those questions. You may not know all those questions right in the very beginning, but once you start understanding them and you can talk to people about them in a way that helps them to feel comfortable and confident, then it helps you to add even more value to that person. So, Are um, some of your pitch decks in euros? Well, not mine, no, because I, I deal exclusively in dollars but i know how to speak euros i know right. how to speak swiss francs you know i know how to speak pounds and that's something that's important because you need to be able to make that connection and help someone understand that hey listen even though the you know look at the currency fluctuation what has happened over the last 10 years or over the last 5 years is that something that we would expect to move forward yes there's a lot of printing that's happening in the european central bank the same thing is happening in the in the federal reserve and how could this potentially affect you are you willing to sleep well at night Yes. Okay. Perfect. We can move forward. No, you're not. Okay. Well then look, I don't want to waste your time because it's probably not going to be the right thing for you. If you can't sleep well at night, and this is one of the things I always like to talk to people about, especially a lot lately is return on sleep. It doesn't matter what the return, it doesn't matter what the percentage return is. If it's a 99% return, but you're not going to sleep well at night, then the ROS is negative. So you need to go on and do something else. (laughs) Nice. The yeah.
1: ROS, return on sleep. So that's something that we need to get in the show notes is, you know, <laughs> Billy Keel's return on, <laughs> you know, calculation. I just want to say, so I'm just, i am listening to this and I'm like, this is exactly, and I'm mean, going to just inject blockchain into this. And I know, you know, we didn't want to go down there, but uh, <laughs> no, no, this yeah, is yeah, exactly why I love security tokens and I love, what blockchain and what the new economy is going to do. Because I always tell people, and I'm just going to bring up Liberty Fund because that's what I know. Yeah. It's like, you could get paid in dollars or you could get paid in euros or you could get paid in Ethereum or you could get paid in US dollar stablecoin. But the really cool thing is you could dollar cost average out of the dollar and also dollar cost average out of the euro. And you're actually just in your own wallet and you're you're outside the banking system. So it's it's really cool. You can actually then get you know higher returns off of that. But that's why I really we're talking about options. And that's what I really, really, you know, I'm so excited about in terms of what security tokens are going to do for people all over the world moving forward and the tokenization of real estate is going to do for all over the people all over the world is going to give them extra options to where to invest, how much they can invest, how they can invest, and also, you know, just create human flourishing in other parts of the world, you know, all over the world.
2: Yeah. You know, and this is one of the things that, you know, it's almost, I guess, because I'm in an IT space, like there's like, you have this middleware kind of stuff, which does a lot of translations from one type of technology to the other and all, all this stuff. Right. And that is very similar to what you're talking about. And the thing is, is you have to be willing to invest your time to understand it. Right, It's like people that are, you know, they consistently are just putting money into 401ks. And you can sit down with people and you say, well, look, um, this is the impact that could have if the market goes up, if the market goes down and, you know, it's going to, if it goes down 10%, it goes up 10%, or it goes up 10%, goes down 10%. You're going to have to work a whole lot harder for it to get back to its original state. And people can believe you or they don't believe you, but when they sit down, take the time, invest, get educated, ask the questions, and then feel comfortable so that their ROS is positive positive." And guess what? They're going to look and realize like, hey, listen, this is another tool that I can use, right? The tokens to be able to get to my life goal, which is going to create more options for me so that when I'm going into my corporate job, I'm going in there because I want to go in there because you know what? The stuff that really, 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 really matters to me and my family, that stuff is all taken care of. I've spent the time, I've gotten educated. I met Michael, he talked me through it. I met Adam, he talked me through it and I feel much more comfortable and confident. And this is another, it's not the only thing I'm gonna do, but you know, using the tokens is gonna be something else that I add because it's creating options and more freedom for me and my family. But you have to be dedicated to, taking some time to get educated and be able to feel comfortable to share a bit of your goals with someone like Michael and someone like Adam that can help you realize, yeah, look, this is going to give you an ROS positive. So, you know, yeah, I
1: I would just recommend to everybody that they just do a little bit of get a base knowledge of inflation and how inflation steals money from you and get a base knowledge of gold and precious metals. And how you could potentially diversify your portfolio that way, but also get a base knowledge of cryptocurrency. And it's it's really a lot to wrap your head around. But you know, if you just figure out you understand a little bit about Bitcoin, you understand a little bit about Ethereum and some of the other projects out there, then you realize that there's this whole system outside the banking system that is going to revolutionize the way we transfer money. You know, because right now.
0: It yeah, already has. Right now, it's if done. I had
1: to send money, <laughs> gentlemen, get
0: on the train. It's already left the station. <laughs> it's about to leave the station. <laughs>
1: uh, but if I had to send money to Billy right now, and I had to wire him money, you know, it could take up to seven days, and you know, his bank wouldn't know if it's there or not. You know, to confirm it, versus a Bitcoin transfer or you know a USDC transfer, you know, or a Euro stablecoin transfer. Boom. It's there immediately. It's you know it shows up within thirty seconds, and it's a lot less fees than if I had to send him something through PayPal or Western Union or
0: something like that. Right, and I'm gonna go deeper here because I think Billy was alluding to it, and then Michael, you can clarify with the security token technology. But getting foreign capital across the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess let's say non-US the US. capital. <laughs> you want to you move it into the US, right? It's not as easy as just transferring it over, right? Like you got to make sure you do it the right way. I think, Billy, you mentioned you have a fund structure or set up. Um, so could you just share for anyone who is looking to start bringing foreign capital into US real estate investments? Like, just what are some fundamental steps to make sure you do it the right way? And then, um, Michael, if you could, when Billy's done, maybe clarify on how security tokens are hopefully, you know, eliminating some of this Extra stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So and I'll make it really kind
2: of easy. And the reason I'm gonna make it super easy is because having talked to so many people, different countries, different rules, whether you're doing it from the United States, outside of the United States, there are so many different ways that you can legally, legally, this is really important, legally transact, right? But because every single person's situation is different the one thing that is really important is no matter what country you're living in, make sure that you have someone who is tax savvy and that is legally savvy, right? And make sure that you have someone that you can also interact with in the location that you want to invest your money with or the team that you want to invest your money with. Like that's the way that you make sure that you're doing it absolutely positively, because you can talk about Reg S, you can talk about this type of fund that's based in that type of place, or you can talk about setting up these different company structures. Like all of those can be very legitimate legal ways to be involved in U.S.-based assets, but the best way for you to do that is to make sure that wherever, whatever country you live in, tax person, legal person, in some countries it can be the same person, and make sure that you have those same people on the U.S. side of things, because they're going to work to understand your specific situation and make sure that whatever you're doing, whether it's active or passive, that you're doing it in a way that's legally compliant. So I I think just because I've dealt with so many different situations and it would be almost wrong of me to say this is the way because there's a lot of different ways to do it. But the one thing that I've always found and sometimes people may go, well, it's going to cost me too much. Well, if it costs you too much, it's going to be ROS negative and don't do it. (laughs) I mean, it's it's like some things are really, really simple. And I've just gotten to a point where, look, if you're not going to sleep well at night, don't do it, like just don't do it because it's not going to be good for you and it's not going to be good for anybody that is you know that you're that you're interacting with, but if it's worth it and it makes sense for you and your situation, then get the people on your team that are going to help you sleep well at night and kind of go from there.
1: yeah, and I, I think Billy hit on one of the most important things, and it's why. It's taken so long for us to get this most recent fund going is because of the complexities with the taxes and the laws to do it legally. Yeah, because when I first started thinking about doing a real estate stable coin, all these people were doing what's called initial coin offerings (ICOs), and you know they were raising you know hundreds of millions of dollars and stuff, but none of it was legal. And so you know when we started on the journey, it's like. Oh, well, it's actually a security. So, you know, if you're going to do this in the United States, you need to issue it as a security and you need to comply with US securities laws, just like there are, you know, securities laws ramifications in other countries. So the security token is going to make things much more accessible. But as Billy said with his pro tip right there, you have to make sure that you're legally compliant in your own area. That you're investing in, but you should also really make sure that the people that are doing the investing, whether you're investing in Europe, uh, whether you're investing in you know Singapore, Asia, or you know even South America, it's like, what are the securities laws in it? I we you know we're working with some people right now out of South Africa, and it's like. Uh, If we're gonna do this thing and there's South African real estate, then you know it's got nexus with South Africa. So we better make sure that it complies with South Africa's securities laws. And you know, there's also there's some countries that have capital controls so that they just have a a minimal amount of money that they can invest every year outside of you know their particular country. So that's all the things that you need to look at your own individual thing. But the, the most important thing is when you're investing in anything, like if it's with us or if it's with Billy, just make sure that they have the proper legal documentation that they're doing it correctly. Cause that's probably the the best way to not lose your money. And then the next best thing is to make sure that they know what they're doing.
2: Yeah. And and I'm just going to reiterate this because it's really important that you must like, even if someone's a massive expert in country X, right. And they're telling you that it works this way, it works that way and blah, 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 blah. If you live in country Y, take what they said from country X perspective, but you better check it from country Y perspective as well. Right. Because, I mean, you may be the most, you know, the, the, you may know more than anything else in country X, but if you're not thinking about country Y where your investor lives... Then that investor, or you as an investor in the other country, you could potentially be putting yourself at risk. So it's really important, both you and you, the investor, really. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm, I, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about from the investor for, exactly. So as an investor, listen to person in country X. Maybe you're buying a particular property, or you're investing with someone, right? And also check in your home country what are the implications if you invest outside of your home country things like that you may find that there's no big deal but you may find yeah, that we, you have to pay we don't want to scare people off we no, just want to make no, sure it, that it, you're doing yeah, it yeah exactly, yeah yeah we right, right. yeah we definitely right. don't want to scare people off because i mean we're we're doing it but yeah. one of the things is guys what we're here to do is also help people become more educated it's definitely not to scare people off at all but just make sure right. we want to, we're we're thinking about you as you're walking and you're listening and you're watching us um to just do that and we you know we have experience with that so we're happy to help and talk to you about what simple steps you can take to kind of check those boxes and sleep well at night. That's what it all comes down to, I think. At the end of the day, that's
0: why we brought Billy on because he's a pro. I was gonna say we have the the ultimate final question here, Billy, for you. This is from both Michael and I and is is are the bars in Barcelona open again yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, finish the question. Uh, are we invited to come party with you? <laughs>
1: well, I I, so, I, so. I I actually didn't make my goals of 2020 because one of my goals in 2020 was to have dinner with Billy oh, and his wife and, and my to. wife in Barcelona,
2: and that yes. didn't happen. So it will. Ha- so the important thing is it will happen, right? Sometimes things are outside of our control, and we control the controllables. To answer your question, Adam, and I thought you were going to finish the question, which was: Are the bars open until? whatever time in the morning (laughs) so yes so the good news is yes some of the bars are open depending on which cities you're in and the hours have changed so that you know depending on what time people are used to staying out well you stay out until the time that you can but uh yes you can still stay out at bars things are definitely a bit different right now but um but yeah so whenever you guys are ready to uh head over this way and we can hang out michael
0: and i'll be hanging out we'll probably be hanging out in austin by the time this podcast is out so um, we'll we'll figure out our trip to Spain then probably. Right. Definitely. We'll be hanging out in Austin at the Blockchain Real Estate Summit. So. That's right. Yes. yes. Yep. Yes. If you're listening to this by chance before uh, September 9th and 10th, you can go to blockchainrealestatesummit.com and get your ticket. Never too late. We are going to be doing it virtually as well. So again, if you're kind of listening to this right before we go live, don't hesitate. We are right there waiting for you. Michael, any final comments or questions for Billy before we get out of here? Um, I just want to know how old are the mini keels?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The mini keels are 10 and 11. Wow. Okay. 10 and 11 going on 12.
1: Billy's hundredth podcast. He did a, and I would recommend everybody go to it. It's going along podcast number 100. And it is the coolest podcast I've ever heard because he does an interview with his two young sons, the mini keels. And these guys are so sharp. I think Billy forces them to, like, sit down, you know, and read all of Robert (laughs) Kiyosaki's stuff. And then they're talking about, you know, inflation, you know, and then they're talking about Forex exchange and things like that. Right, 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 right. Passive income.
2: uh, They like passive income for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: uh, It's just a great, great listen. So yeah
2: fantastic hey you know what there's also um one other thing so if you speaking of which episode 100 but don't forget also lucky episode 13 with mr michael flight um you are such a brave character to actually join me in the very beginning that was um that was really really fun and so as you're listening and watching make sure if you're going to listen to episode 100 of the going long podcast you definitely have to check out michael flight episode 13 it was epic he was awesome and yeah so it uh, it was a lot of fun
0: in the NFT space, that's what we call uh, an OG. Is Michael Air? So <laughs> that's an OG episode. All right. Well, um, Billy, thank you so much for joining us here today. This is awesome. Um, not to sound cliche, but seriously, a ton of value. I think for entrepreneurs, real estate entrepreneurs, capital raisers, investors out there, so much to be unpacked here. Any you know, parting words of wisdom on your behalf?
2: Well, guys, what you're doing here is just awesome. I love the energy. I love being able to have the conversation. Thanks for allowing it to be, you know, open, transparent. Definitely, like you said at the end, there, Michael. We just want to. We want to share information with everybody. We want you to go in with your eyes wide open. There are so many people. I used to think, um, you know, just doing this by myself, but there are lots of people around the world. So doing this and investing across borders, doing it long distance, and it's just a great way to go. I mean, I've been doing it for a while, and I think you guys know, and you'll probably include it later, but I mean, if you ever want to chat about it, check out BillyKills.com. You can go to BillyKills.com forward slash seven mistakes. You can figure out the things that you should avoid doing when you want to invest long distance and uh, check us out on the podcast, the going long podcast with Billy Keels and guys keep on being awesome. And thank you so, so very much for the opportunity to share a little bit of my story with
0: you.
1: And we want to thank the audience that uh, even though it wasn't directly related to net lease properties, what we're trying to do is um, if you are interested in investing in net lease properties, we know that there's people outside the United States that want to know how to benefit from, you know stable absolutely bonds wrapped in real estate net lease properties so that's why we brought billy on but not only that billy's just got a fascinating story and it might open up your you know mind to say i need to travel some more and uh, even catch up a little bit to billy keels
0: that's right guys go check him out billy keels international real estate entrepreneur and host of the going long podcast as he mentioned you can go to billykeels.com for more content, fun, and information. Um, I think you said, what was this? billykeels.com slash seven mistakes? Seven mistakes, yep. Right. Check that out, guys. Check that out. And if you're interested in learning more about NetLease Properties, we're always adding
1: new information onto the libertyfund.io website. We've got a great how to analyze a property that we did. And it's in the, the rotation here, but the video on that is fantastic. It's how to analyze a net lease property. So go to it on our YouTube channel, Liberty Real Estate Fund, YouTube, or to go to libertyfund.io for all the newer articles we've just done. Also a really great article that I was really happy with was cash flow versus IRR. Uh, so it got rid of some of the myths because a lot of people... Just take a look at that big IRR number that, you know, some people say, oh, yeah, we're going to get an 18 to 20 IRR. It's like, well, what's in that versus how much money are you actually getting in your pocket month in and month out?
0: So, anyway, that's, that's thank you, Michael. And guys, everyone tuned in, thank you for joining us here on the Nothing But Net podcast, the podcast for triple net commercial real estate investing and also maybe a little biased here, but pretty much the ultimate resource when it comes to triple net real estate investing. So as Michael mentioned, check out libertyfund.io for those new articles as well. Subscribe, drop a rating if you can. Uh, We really would appreciate it. It helps us bring on more high profile guests like Billy in the future. I'm your host, Adam Carswell. We're joined again by Michael Flight, our co-host and Billy Keels today. Thank you for tuning in guys, and we will catch you in the next episode. Thank you once again for joining us here on Nothing But Net, the podcast for triple net commercial real estate investing. If you enjoyed what you heard today, one last friendly reminder to like, share, subscribe, or leave a review for us. It really helps a ton with the show's visibility. For the Nothing But Net team, I'm Adam Carswell. Take care. Nothing But Net. The Nothing But Net podcast is not intended to provide legal, tax counsel, or accounting advice. Adam Carswell, Michael Flight, Concordia Realty Corporation, Liberty Real Estate Fund LLC, and their affiliates did not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice or the worthiness and promotion of any particular investment. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors before engaging in any transaction or undertaking. We highly encourage individuals and investors to seek the counsel of a qualified attorney as well as seek the counsel of a tax professional or certified public accountant to determine if there are any potential tax liabilities or consequences as a result of anything contained herein. All listeners of this podcast or video should understand that there are no guarantees of any success, outcome, or profitability of any transaction or undertaking expressed or implied and will not be liable for any financial or other losses or damages incurred as a result of any undertaking. Go to nothingbutnet.us for a complete set of disclosures. Thank you.